0: Manchester United makes bringing new content to a podcast very difficult, as each week they put in the same catastrophic performances, and we have to rehash them as interestingly as possible. Mm. Keeping things fresh with me this week is the ever-lovely Oscar Saywell. Oscar, how are you?
1: Hi Blake, I am well. Um, How are you?
2: Good. We saw each other this Sunday, kicked around,
0: you scored a lovely goal.
1: I did score a goal. Yes. I don't know. I feel like I always blank out when I score goals. I I doubt it was that lovely, but um I did score. That felt good. Um I have been enjoying playing with everyone on that, on Sundays. Um Yeah. We finally
0: I'm, have gotten some nice weather. Finally. Oh, it was so nice yesterday.
1: Yeah. It was so it was so nice yesterday that it was a shock for me today. I like fitted myself out in Shorter sleeves, and then I was promptly cold um I want to before we commence with this pod shout out a potential new listener, Blake, which is kind of crazy for us, in uh my good friend Sean McKee um hi Sean, if you're listening um all I'll say, Sean, is that I hope you enjoy listening to me speak the words, and um just remember this pod is about the journey before the destination before you judge us um. And we can proceed now, Blake.
0: Yes, if we're shouting out new listeners, uh, my girlfriend has been telling people to listen to this podcast. Oh, wow. Not her friends, not oh. her coworkers or anything, but <laughs> yeah. the patients at the practice she works at. Wow. Um, if they mention football, she will say, my boyfriend has a podcast, you should listen to it.
1: That is so, quite quite the pressure on us now i guess
0: yeah um mm-hmm. i don't know i have a hard time feeling it worked but uh, if it did <laughs> thank you for listening yeah um all right oscar uh i said in the intro you know we're running out of new things to say mm-hmm. um, it was another great week to be a newcastle supporter
2: um
1: Indeed. Yeah, you should start there, actually. I did. um, You asked me on Sunday whether I watched the highlights. At that point, I hadn't. I, of course, went home and watched them promptly. And I would love to hear your thoughts on yet another
0: fantastic Magpies
1: win.
2: Uh, Well, there were
0: actually two wins in there, which was very lovely. Uh, Mm. We had a 1-0 over Palace, um, which was, to a neutral, probably super... Rab Um, not a lot happened Um, but it is nice that Newcastle are finally winning these sorts of matches Um, you know they for the years and years I've supported them have struggled to hold on to leads Um, so this was a very nice instance of uh, scoring relatively early and holding on for the rest of the match quite comfortably in the end Um, and also Miggy Almiron broke his uh, over one-year goal drought, scoring an absolutely sublime finish uh, into the top corner. And then Newcastle went and followed that performance up with a 3-0 win over Norwich City, which saw two of the nicest goals I've seen Newcastle score uh, in a very long time. The...
2: First was uh the man of the season, Joe Linton, um, who uh the ball rolled across the box, um, and he quite lovely
0: tucked into that top right corner. Um he would double the lead, uh, getting on the end of a deflected shot, and then uh if the match wasn't already finished by then, uh Bruno Guimarães, who has an incredible record for Newcastle right now, uh, picks the ball off from a poor pass from Tim Cruel and casually chips him uh, on the second touch. Uh, and after that, both sides really just, uh, you know, took their foot off the gas and cruised to the end of this match, uh, which I think is. You know, the other half of me being happy is this match really did feel like Norwich giving up on this season. Um, They really showed no fight whatsoever. Um, And yeah, uh, Newcastle up to ninth in the Premier League. Oscar, we're right on your toes.
1: Uh, Astonishing, frankly. Um, Last few months for Newcastle. Uh, You are right on our toes. I don't know uh, how feasible it is that you'll catch us. Um, possibly. Who knows? That would be wild. Um, I want you to just talk to me briefly about Miguel Almiron, actually, because um, I not obviously had not forgotten that he was at the club, but you know, he was once your maverick player who could sort of create something out of nothing, and he no longer has to fulfill that role because you have a couple of others that do it for him. Um, namely in Alessa Maxima. Um, but, you know, w- what's going to happen with Miguel Almiron? Um, will he stay? Will he go? We've had a couple seasons, I thought, of him wanting to leave. At one point, I thought he was linked quite heavily with Atletico Madrid. But, yeah, what's the talk on Toon's side about Miguel Almiron?
0: Well, uh, to go through the history of his time at Newcastle, he was our record signing. Um, Under Rafa, it was the first time Rafa was really given money to sign a player. Um, And he was coming off an incredible season for Atlanta where he had scored like 15 and assisted 15 uh, as they romped their way to uh, the MLS championship. Uh, He then joined Newcastle and famously had a pretty uh, unlucky first six months or so where he just could not score he was constantly hitting the bar Um, and then he scored and it kicked off a brief era for Newcastle under Rafa Benitez where Salomon Rondon, Ayose Perez and Miguel Amaron were pivotal in keeping us up that season Um, I think we finished 17th by the skin of our teeth Um, I think it like came down to the second to last day then, Rafa leaves, and they bring in Steve Bruce. And over the next two and a half years, Miguel Amarón plays not very often. Um, he was mostly a sub, um, and when he did play, he played in all sorts of weird positions, like right wing back, um, which honestly isn't bad for him, because he is quite good defensively. But it is not a position that he can thrive in. Then. Thank goodness Steve Bruce gets sacked and Eddie Howe comes in. And for the first, I don't know, three months of Eddie Howe's reign, uh, Miguel Amaron just did not get a look in. Um, I think Eddie Howe is the type of manager who finds a system that works and plays that system over and over and over again. Um, this match against Norwich is the first time he's rotated pretty much his entire time he's been here. However, due to an injury to Ryan Fraser, all of a sudden, Miguel Amaron has looked back in the team and has been putting in really good performances. Um, So, whereas about a month ago, it looked dead on doornails that he would be leaving this summer, and it was all but confirmed by his uh, agent, right now, the rumor sort of is that Eddie Howe wants him to be in the picture next season as well. Um, which, you know, I think he's the type of player where he's he's not quite good enough for a top 10 Premier League side, unless the side used him incredibly smartly. But he is one of the best players you could have on the bench. Um, so I think in a transition season next season for Newcastle, you know i would be incredibly happy to have him but um i think the rumors from his camp are still he's
2: vying for a move to spain where he would be an incredible player
1: very um succinct summary there i uh, tend to agree with you i think on the you know on the on the moving to spain front um i think he would be great there Already twenty-eight, that surprised me just a bit. Um I knew he wasn't super young when he came over, but um yeah, twenty-eight, uh that's that's quite something. He'll be uh, I think right uh cemented his status, I suppose, a couple of years ago as a bit of a cult hero at, at Newcastle.
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh and I guess yeah, all the best for, for Miguel Almiron. I suppose okay, you've done you've done Newcastle, I'll do West Ham so we can get, get West Ham out of the way. We fell to a 1-0 loss um, at Chelsea uh, playing a objectively like a B-slash-C string team. Um, We made lots of changes. We only had one fit centre-back in Craig Dawson, who played a three at the back with him at the heart of it and Cresswell and Johnson alongside of him. Um, We were playing the likes of Yarmolenko, Rice, Antonio, Bowen, all on the bench. and uh, frankly, quite astonishing, I thought that we only lost 1-0. Um, Chelsea utterly dominated us. We put up, a, I thought, quite a heroic defence. Craig Dawson, actually, before he was sent off late on, was sensational. I mean, it was a really old-school centre-back performance where he was just throwing himself in front of shots. Um, eventually gets sent off for a challenge on uh, on a, like some Chelsea player. I can't remember who it is, but Jorginho tried to take the penalty and promptly fail to convert it, which was fantastic, terrible little skippy jump thing that he does. Um, and then Pulisic, unfortunately, put one in uh, in the 90th minute, which was a bit of a downer. Um, I, I This match was of little consequence, obviously, to our top four fight, which is firmly gone now. Um, we are sort of slipping on the European places, but frankly, I'm, I'm not sure many West Ham fans are paying any attention to the league right now Blake um, what with what with the the massive game we have coming up this Thursday which I just can't even wrap my head around frankly even though it's two legs um, and you know yeah props to the side um, we've lost Dawson for three matches Zuma is meant to be coming back earlier than scheduled but Diop's out um, I'm not sure how this Premier League season is going to end for us but Um, full steam ahead to Thursday.
0: Yeah. Do you think in these upcoming matches, we're going to see like a Declan Rice, uh, what was that lineup earlier this season where you played like Declan Rice and Thomas Suchek as your two defense, like a
1: center back. Yeah. That was a weird lineup. I don't know. I mean, it could work. It would mean we would be quite kamikaze, I think because I mean, Rice is sensational and can probably do anything he wants and, anywhere in the middle of the pitch. But Socek, I'm not super sure he would adapt well to playing at centre-back. He hasn't been brilliant there in the past. Um, in fact, he's had to play deeper this season because Declan Rice is so good going forward that we sort of forget how dangerous Socek is as, as a more of a central midfielder as opposed to like a sweeping DM. Um, you know, last season he was scoring a ton of goals. Um, and that's really how he made his name for himself at West Ham with uh, being a goal threat. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know, I thought that Ben Johnson, he, he's a really interesting player because he's, he's still very young. He's always put in against very serious sides. I mean, he, he'll play against your Man Cities and your Liverpool's and your Chelsea's and then Moyes will leave him out against like. Villa or something you know or Leicester these teams that are much more on our level on paper um so you know I think I think that that um Johnson will will fulfill that utility player position he really plays anywhere across the back line and and Cresswell we've seen in the past couple of years has has adapted really really well to being a center back in a back three um so yeah maybe slotting in such heck or, or rice back there or a returning Zuma would be fine um but you Know once again, I I, I don't think even Moise is paying much attention to be on Thursday.
2: Yeah, um, super interested to see what the uh kind
0: of approach is. How's um, Agio Is he uh
1: too young? Uh, he's great just talent, on the bench to talent, fill out but, the numbers. But, yeah, way too young, and and we know Moyes, right? He he does not like to to blood players you know um who he doesn't feel are absolutely ready um aji elise he's you know he's twenty one um big center back uh great on the ball um he's played a lot of football this season in p l two division one i think it's it's the full like twenty something games twenty two games i think twenty three games he was um, briefly on loan last, in the, in the fall, on, um, on loan at Cambridge United. Only made a couple of appearances there. Um, but he's also very versatile. Um, he, he, he plays at fullback sometimes. And he's a good passer of the ball. Um, he's got a bright future, I think. But in a Moy's side, I'm not sure that he'll be coming into the, into the, into the team anytime soon, really.
0: Yeah, in the words of Michael Jordan and David Moyes, F them kids. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, Talking about Ben Johnson really quickly, he has Mm -hmm. a very interesting uh, statistical profile Yeah, uh, where he is Mm -hmm. the second best uh, defensive fullback in terms of blocks and clearances in the Premier League. Mm. Um and in terms of progressive carries from uh for fullbacks uh he is in the 3rd percentile which means he's probably yep. second worst. Yeah. Um so he, his Yeah. He really has like the some 90s 90th percentiles and then some uh less than 10 percentiles.
1: I think he's a he's such an interesting player because you know I I think West Ham fans can't really figure out how good he is either and i'm not sure he's only 22 so i'm not sure how fair it is to to judge him um a lot so far i mean the the pedigree he has like family wise is crazy he's he's a a cousin of ledley king and his uncle is paul parker so he's got quite the footballing family um he's been at west Ham since you know uh you know, since, since he was a kid, since like 2007, when he was seven years old or something, um, you know, over the, since his debut in 2018, he's not played a a ton. And I can remember a lot of tragic performances from him so much. So where, you know, we're sort of screaming at the screen for him to get off the pitch, but I, I really like him as a player. I, I think he's got a Bags of potential. He's a bit of a diamond in the rough, right? And I think he he's probably being used quite sensibly. Um, he's played a lot in the Europa League. Has about eighteen appearances, I believe, in the Premier League this season. And you know, he just has to keep his head down and and kick on.
2: Yeah, um, it's been a less than stellar, uh,
0: I don't know, month and a half for West Ham mm-hmm,
2: uh, yeah.
0: in the Premier League, obviously. Yeah, um, probably outside of the Premier League, possibly the best ever. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. West Ham do have uh, Frankfurt, Arsenal, Frankfurt, uh, and then which is you know three very tough matches back to back to back under the course of a week. Um, yeah. and then, and we'll
1: pay we'll pay no attention to that Arsenal match. No, no, none whatsoever. Right.
0: Yeah um, and then also a match against Man City. Um yeah, it's later in the season.
1: It's it's a rough end to the season for sure. Um you know, I think and especially if we if we get to the final, I our thoughts will not be on the Premier League. Um I reckon that if we you know, if we if we go out to Frankfurt, you know, and it's a bit you know, we get swatted aside a bit or even even if it's close, I think then the players will really rally and and sort of for for pride, I think they'll they'll really Put the foot on the gas for the last few games which should be entertaining but yeah um all eyes on thursday as i said for the upteenth time can you tell i'm nervous
0: yeah well i'll be watching Mm -hmm. uh and for a very rare moment uh actively rooting for an english side in europe thank Um, you please do all right uh anything else about west ham
1: Oh, you've tempted me. I just want to talk really fast about Craig Dawson, Blake. Um, whoa, what a you know strange player. Um, I can't tell if he's had an incredible season or, or 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 a chaotic one. I I saw on Twitter that someone wants to give him Player of the Season, um, for West Ham. I I personally think that Declan Rice should just get this, you know, automatically at this point, but. Um, he's just you know, it is quite astonishing. He's only thirty one, um, and he, this guy wasn't playing for Watford in the Championship when we bought him. So it was quite the, quite the uh the 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 foresight from from David Moyes when he bought brought him into the squad. And 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 the crazy thing is is that we've actually found ourselves a centre back that is in his peak years and could be at that peak for another couple of years. Um, you know, I I just wanted to. To put the spotlight on him because, you know, despite being sent off, I thought he was excellent in this game and I think he'll be, he's been so big for us in, in Europe this season. Um, I, I'm not, I wouldn't give him the the player of the season at the end of the year, mainly because I thought there was a patch that he had where he was really, really dreadful. Um, but yeah, props to, to Craig Dawson, Ballon Dawson, as we fondly call him. And I am done with West Ham, I promise you.
0: Um. Uh... Well, he does have four goals and two assists on the season, which is pretty incredible, uh, especially for the player he was.
1: um, Yeah, exactly. Weird, right? Compared
0: to the player he is. Um, He, I would say, it is chaotic um, in that I think largely he's been phenomenal um, and sort of a career renaissance um, for a player who... I don't know. It was kind of a joke. Um, Kind of the stereotypical not good enough for the Premier League, um, but, you know, gets matches every week. Um, And then he has quite a few horrendous mistakes thrown in this season. Right. Um, Yeah, I don't think I would call him your player of the season, but I think maybe the... Biggest surprise for West Ham this season?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Likely.
0: Um, Likely. Yeah.
1: Well we we, we should definitely do a pod um at the end of the year, sort of
0: wrapping up which teams, you
1: know, like Star Player and and underperforming player, you know.
0: Yeah, we need to go back and listen to the podcast I did we did with uh Thomas because I'm pretty sure I ridiculed Mm. Craig Dawson pretty heavily.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um
0: but uh yeah, no, pretty insane um and best of luck in europe and the rest of the season um
1: thank you all right where to next we've spent an obscene amount of time on west ham there um
0: uh we could get talking about manchester united out of the way Um, yeah let's do that yeah this uh they also played two matches since we last recorded uh one of which being the four nil thrashing at Anfield, um, which was incredibly predictable. Uh, if we were still doing match predictions, you know, that probably would have been my guess. Right. Uh, Manchester United only put two shots up the entire match, um, only one on target, 28% possession. Um, pretty much got played off the pitch yeah. in every manner. Um, And the players looked incredibly frustrated. Manchester United brought on uh, Hannibal Mabry, the talented, I think he declared for Egypt. Um, I'm not sure which national team he, uh, maybe Tunisia. Um, But he was lucky he didn't get sent off. Um, He -hmm. came onto the pitch, you know, it got however many minutes and tried to take out four or five different Liverpool players. Uh, Manchester United expectedly did not respond to that awful loss uh, and were beaten by Arsenal in a match that is, I don't know, somewhat controversial, although I disagree with the level of controversy by Manchester Mm -hmm. United fans. Um, I think they're, you know, I think they were handedly beat, and their excuses are, uh, you know, just trying to lessen the blow. Um, and you know, even if, you know, they did get that penalty, it still would have been, you know, a three-two loss. So, um, I don't know. It's another another podcast, another you know, awful performance by Manchester United.
1: Yep. No, I I don't I don't really think it's it's worth even discussing, frankly. Um, I think they might just lose every game of the season here on. Um, I've I've got in my notes, you know, a question, who would you get rid of? I think we could probably dedicate a whole special pod to, you know, big six teams and cutting dross. Um, So I'll save that for later. Um, Can I talk briefly about Arsenal? Um, They, obviously, as you just mentioned had a three-one victory over Manchester United, and prior to that, a four-two win over Chelsea, which was maybe the more more sensational of the of the fixtures. Um, Ian Wright, there was a viral clip of him sort of screaming, "Don't write us off!" on uh, you know match of the day or or some I don't know. He was on comms, um, and and I think he he's right, um, which is great for my prediction um I really just keep flip-flopping on Arsenal every week um I think last week I said oh you know my prediction looks rubbish um which it still does if you're talking about them not getting top four and Ar- Arteta getting sacked um which is what I said sh- should be happening but um you know I I I I am oh, I hate even saying this somewhat glad to see their you know their rejuvenation. Um, Although I don't actually think they played very well against either Chelsea or Man U. Um, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say. Um, especially defensively. I thought they were quite poor defensively. I mean, obviously they, sc- they conceded three over those, over those fixtures. I definitely hope they get fourth over Spurs. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, a question I have for you is... Enketia, who scored two goals against Chelsea you know, is he of Arsenal quality? Is he of top four quality? I thought his finishes were really scrappy, quite overrated. Um, You know, people were just talking a lot about how, you know, he has a eye for goal and, and, you know, he can sniff one out, which I think is true, but I've seen him play really poorly quite a few times um, in an Arsenal shirt. And so I'm sort of thinking, you know, if Joe Willock can't make the cut at Arsenal, then I don't understand how Nketiah can. What's his level, do you think, Eddie Nketiah?
2: Uh, well, you know, if someone listening
0: couldn't tell our accents apart, they might have thought that what you just said came out of my mouth, uh, noted Eddie Nketiah hater, uh, mm. Blake Montreal. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think both goals were pretty fortunate, um, for Eddie and Katia. Although I will say, you know, like goal scorers do score lots of ugly goals. Um, you know, it's Mm -hmm. about being in positions and getting shots away and, um, you know, a goal is a goal no matter what way it goes in. Um, I think... Eddie and Katia is getting a prolonged shout right now at Arsenal solely because you know Arsenal have injury issues and striker issues and
2: mm-hmm. um,
0: all the above, and you can't keep playing wingers up top and like is aging and struggling sometimes, um although he's found some some decent form recently um I think he's pretty much only getting this prolonged chance because of those issues um you know i i think he's just kind of like the right player in the right position for those two goals and for this you know decent i don't know i guess up and down mm-hmm. extended run of form that arsenal have had um but yeah i think like right now his level is you know a Eighth to fourth place side in the championship. Um, or, uh, I don't know, because he's not like a extremely clinical finisher or anything. So you would expect he would need a side around him that can create a lot of chances. Um, but I will, if I had to guess where he'll be next season, um, I don't think he'll be at Arsenal. I think Stryker will probably be. Arsenal's, I don't know, like second position that they strengthen. Um, Probably, but yeah. I could see some side that gets promoted take a flyer and buy Eddie and Katia for forty-five million or whatever. Oh, it's so terrible.
1: No, because he he's running out of contract, like
0: so. Oh, is he?
1: Yeah, he's going on a free. Uh which changes the game entirely.
0: That totally changes the game. Right. Like um, I would
1: take a I mean I would I would have a West Ham take a punt on Eddie and Ketia for sure. Why not? You know? Yeah. An aging Antonio, eye for goal. Um
0: yeah, side uh, that can create a lot for him. Right?
2: Um Exactly.
0: Yeah, I mean there are worse you know there are worse uh prospects than Eddie and Ketia. Um, I just think you know we see like three or four of these players at Arsenal every year, um and it's like, you know, we know the chances are based on the history, and- Eddie and Katia will leave Arsenal,
2: yeah,
0: uh, and not be as great as he's hyped, um yeah,
1: I think uh if I was Arsenal in the summer, okay, react to this, I might take a punt on Dominic Carvert-Lewin if Everton are relegated because then they can sort of like you know don't have to pay 75 mil for him um and then you know bid for him if Everton aren't relegated but they're in financial horror so they have to sell what do you think of that
2: well I mean I think more
0: likely to happen than that is Harry Kane leaves Spurs and Dominic Calvert Lewin is his replacement. Ooh, that's quite uh, something, and I think that would be a much better situation for him, um, and I think he would do much better. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're saying Arsenal should you know try to buy one of the best English strikers. Uh, at a discount price and you know i think yeah that's a great great idea but i think dominic calvert loon will be in hot demand um and you know can i see it yes would it be good for arsenal yes um so sure um i think however they should splash the big bucks in many other positions uh, because uh some of the players arsenal still trots out is uh yeah Below their level. Well, I don't know. I mean,
1: are you league, are yeah. you are you passively aggressively referring to Mohamed Al Nani there? Because I thought no. he was great All right, all right. I love Mohamed Al Nani. Right. So who are you talking I about? I'm about Rob on. Holding. Oh Rob Holding? I love Rob Holding.
2: He's I he's hate no
1: Rob oh come on. He's no pretender. He's just a guy who who fills in when needed, basically.
0: Oh yeah. He's um, what I thought Aaron Cresswell was. Eighteen months ago, well, yeah, oh, yeah, God, obviously man. my opinion on yeah, what sure. has changed. Uh, no, I, I
1: don't mind Rob Holding. You know what, um, Blake, talk to me about, um, Divock Origi. I'm going to or Origi. I'm not sure. I'm going to pivot to Liverpool here, who, um, romped to a four nil victory over Manu, um, a couple of, uh, the match day previous, um, but won the Merseyside derby two nil, um against a, an Everton side that really, really tried really hard to stop them doing anything, basically. They kind of played like a, the Atletico Madrids of old, where they, um, they really used the dark arts, um, which I guess at the very least shows that the players are listening to Lampard and, and trying for him. Um, but Divico Rigi, who was getting a rare game, and who was heavily involved in the first goal and then subsequently scored in the second. Jurgen Klopp, after the match was effusive in his praise of of the striker, um, saying stuff like he's an Anfield legend and that he'll explode wherever he goes, kind of implying that he's that Origi's on his way out this season. I know AC Milan have put a bid basically on the table for him. Um, what do you think of him? what do you think of Origi? I, I I agree with Klopp, he is an Anfield legend because of the goals that he scored in these momentous occasions. Um, but do you agree with him now age 26, 27, that he'll be a prolific striker if he leaves Liverpool? What do you think?
0: Uh well, he does have three goals this season, this Premier League season, in mm-hmm. just over ninety minutes of play. Yeah, crazy, uh, right?
2: Clean. Yeah, which is yeah.
0: incredible, and kind of the player he's been at Liverpool. Um, you know, l- limited game time, uh, seemingly is content sitting on the bench um, and being that impact sub, which is both tough for a player mentally and tough for a player physically. Um, it uh, you know it's very hard to come off the bench with ten minutes left. Limited warm up and contribute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the fact that Origi consistently does this is very impressive. Um, and his importance to Liverpool, uh, you know, can't really be understated. Um, he, if nothing else, consistently torments Everton. Uh, the yeah. man cannot stop scoring against them. Uh, It's like a yearly occurrence. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I think he's one of those, you know, you need players who uh, play on the bench. You need a deep bench to succeed. And to have a player as good as him on the bench week in, week out is an extreme luxury for Liverpool. Yeah. Um, I highly rate him. I think he's a very well rounded striker. Um, and I do think he'll succeed wherever he goes. Hmm. Um, if he goes to Italy, he will tear it up absolutely. Yeah.
1: I would quite um, like for him to go to Milan, to be honest.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah we, we see a lot on. of you know English players from the English league go to Italy and uh, perform incredibly well. Uh, he also has, uh, I think, a decent career, a uh, decent record for Belgium. Yeah, I he don't think a he's quite in as insane as Miti who has probably the most insane uh, record for his country compared to his record for his club. Um, mm. But
1: oh, uh, is a good goal scorer.
0: Yes. unless he's but, playing for Chelsea. Yeah, but compared to like minutes per game for yeah, he Belgium. has like
1: one in two. Like it's yeah. ridiculous. Maybe
0: more than that. Yeah. That um, so yeah, I think uh, Divock Origi... Uh, it is pronounced Origi, by the way. Oh, okay, Origi, um, thank you. He will...
1: Oh, never mind. Oh, no, I think I'll, he'll... No, maybe. Sorry, go.
0: He'll leave Liverpool, and he will go um, somewhere and succeed.
1: I just looked him up. He has a rubbish goal-scoring record for Belgium. He has three goals in 32 appearances, so never mind that. Never mind. Um, are you thinking maybe of Benteke? Because Benteke just... Even when he didn't score for like two years, he would somehow get score called up for Belgium and then score for Belgium. Um. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, no, I agree with all your points there. Um. Wonderful.
0: Where would you rather have Origi yeah, yeah. Would you rather have Arigi or Enketia at West Ham? Mm,
1: oh. oh uh,
0: Nketia. Nketia on a free.
1: Enketia.
0: Okay. because I'd rather really have a Rigi, but
1: because I just I don't know. I feel like there's something in me that says is a Regi like this because he is surrounded by such incredible players. I don't know. I I just feel like I don't know. Maybe it's just I can't envision a Rigi playing for us. I don't know. It is a good question. And Katia, you know, he's 22. I really just do think Nketiah has this like scrappy goal-scoring ability, which I'm not sure Origi has. I think Origi kind of scores like the sensational goals. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Would you take him at uh, Newcastle? Honestly?
0: Would I take Nketiah? Yeah. Or Origi? No,
1: no, sorry. Um, Origi.
0: Yeah, of course. I, he was heavily linked to Newcastle this summer. Uh, hmm. nice. And uh, yeah. I think he you know, I think he's a really quality player, um, right. I think he's proved his quality quite well.
2: nice, all right, what's um, do next, Blake Well,
0: uh certainly not Man City who uh are continuing to uh romp teams in the bottom half of the table. I was kind of wondering if Man City would do their patented, you know blip on the radar um against Brighton just because Brighton are mm. you know, quite the decent side sure. um, but no quite comfortable um, I do want to talk to you about uh, the great escape and that is not Newcastle's incredible run but this little run that <sighs> Burnley Football Club yeah. have put on since sacking John Deich, Have are undefeated two wins and a draw uh, and have pulled themselves out of the bottom three albeit everton with the game in hand right
1: um they yeah they have and i think burnley is super interesting right now and i'm really glad that you've come onto this topic because i i did a little digging into it um and here's kind of what i found you know i don't really understand why people remain so skeptical about their survival uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Blake, and say that I think they have a better chance than Everton, and maybe even Leeds, if you take a look at the fixtures. Um, Burnley, they play Villa, who are completely on the beach at this point, twice because of, a, I guess, a COVID makeup. They play Watford this week, and then they play Spurs, and they end with Newcastle. And I would say that they could, they could win all of those matches. They could win all those matches. I reckon Newcastle possibly is like the joint first hardest match, maybe with Spurs, I guess, that they have coming up. Um, And then Everton, they have Chelsea and Arsenal left to play, as well as Brentford, who just refuse to be beaten right now. And then throw in Leicester, who can be unpredictable as well. And then Leeds go Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea, Brighton, Brentford, which is probably the worst run of the lot. Um, So Burnley firmly still in it. Um, and I don't know. I think they might survive. I think they might survive.
0: Yes. They have, you know, survived what? The last, uh, when did Two they get years. relegated? 2014? No, 2017?
1: No, no, no. They've been in the Prem for ages. I don't know.
0: Yeah, 2014, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so they've survived season over season by being this... Incredibly tough, frustrating side to play against. Um, who, if you listen back to this podcast, I have always been quite high on. Um, I think they can play some really pretty football when they want to. And I think they have some very decent players. I would like to uh, shout out one man by the name, I don't want to get his first name wrong. I'm uh, pretty sure. Yep, Connor Roberts. Uh,
2: who they signed
0: from Swansea this
2: summer Mm
0: -hmm. in our uh, season preview pod, you said, and I quote, who the hell is Connor Roberts? Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, how do you not know who Connor Roberts is? He's incredible. Um, And yeah, they're winning games and he's playing and he's playing well. Um, Dwight McNeil, who had uh, a pretty terrible first part of the season, uh is playing better and as a result burnley are squeaking out these results and yep. i am 90% confident that burnley will survive um, um
1: yeah i feel like i feel like they will yeah
0: yeah they just what the experts say um Yes, they have Everton with a 54% chance of relegation, whereas Burnley only have a 29% chance and Leeds are at 18%. Um, so more than likely Everton to get relegated uh, according to 538. Um, mm-hmm. But also without the statistics and the history and everything, just watching Everton... uh you know, it really feels like they're not even down. sleepwalking into relegation. They're like diving into it head first. Sure. Um, I know, and... man,
1: I, I reckon Leeds might still be in trouble. They just have such bad fixtures coming up.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe I'm, I'm a little blind to Leeds, Um, just cause you know, they're unbeaten in six, I think. Um, really? And, uh, i don't know it's hard to imagine a side like that get relegated compared to a side like everton which i feel like are super flamboyantly getting relegated um yeah yeah and uh yeah uh burnley beat wolves um in a match i think they i don't know probably deserve to win by another goal um I thought uh they played really well um and were very efficient and uh frustrated wolves a lot um speaking of frustration this is something I've noticed uh is that Bruno Laga is a little bit of a baby uh
1: Bruno yeah
0: yeah when they lose matches he like blames he absolutely everything drop. yeah yeah um Great man. You know, he was like, We deserve to beat Burnley. Um mm, yeah. And, and I was like, n not not really. Not really. Uh-huh. His
1: his players are just on the beach, right? Like I know I've used that phrase a couple of times already, but that they really are. Like that and I don't blame them. Well, they had a great season. You know, really, really great season, and then they, they just petered out a bit, just like West Ham did, except they don't have Europe to to keep their
0: yeah afloat. Keep it up. Yeah. Um Yeah, they also you know, I think wolves are on a beach quite a bit because they had at one point a huge gap between uh, I think it was like Brighton at the time. They were like, you know, nine or ten points clear of them. Um, and uh, but wolves have slowly been seeping uh, points to, I don't know, twelfth through ninth, uh, and somehow Newcastle are right behind them. Um, but yeah, I think it's a like a matter of nothing to fight for, and at one point, their spot was super secure and you know mentally foot off the gas and now um threatened to, I don't know fall to tenth or whatever, which is still, I don't know, a decent season um, for aside like wolves. Um, but yeah, Burnley to stay up. what are what type of money are you putting on that bet Solid? What ten, ten dollars?
1: I don't know how best... <laughs> yeah, works. not a betting
0: man. So, ten bucks right. for a non-betting man is. Uh, don't know what that means. Quite yeah. a bit. Um, yeah. Uh, do we really have any more matches to talk about?
1: Nah, I'm good. I've I um, talked about who I care about.
0: Yeah, a nice moment. Uh, the return of Ericsson to Spurs. Um, yes, I guess they. They already played the reverse fixture, right? But I don't think Erickson, no,
2: I don't he think he played for, for...
0: Yeah, he wasn't there yet. Um, uh, some nice gest- gestures. Um, yeah, other than that, not a ton to talk about. Um, the South Coast Derby, 2-2. You know, neither side has much to play for. Um, I do have in my notes, I think they're two teams that are probably the most equal in terms of quality um is southampton right now and brighton right now um Hmm. but uh other than that uh i don't have any matches to talk about but we do have a question from a listener (gasps) once again which is lovely yes um which means I don't have to scrounge to find some washed-up yeah, player we've playing. Really gotta,
2: we got to figure um, that
0: out for next season. I don't know what we're going to do. Um. Okay, so uh, friend of the pod, Darren Saywell, great guy. Um, I'm sure he's over the moon with these upcoming fixtures for West Ham as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so uh, I will say right now I'm rooting for West Ham for Darren. Okay. rather than rooting them for them for you. All right, all right. All right. Uh, but uh, he says, question of the day, why are there no compelling soccer-based films? Is mm. Ted Lasso, a series, not a film, I know, our only real success in bringing the screen to soccer? Soccer to screen.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Do you have... I, I've i been racking my brains for the past however long thinking about this, Blake. Um, I haven't really watched many football films. I don't even know what counts here because I think that, frankly, I'm not sure you can successfully bring the physical act of playing football to life on screen. Even in Ted Lasso, it looks pretty poor. I mean, it's just like, you just can't. Like, it's not... you, You can't replicate the real thing. I Um obviously there's the goal movies but i i guess i will bring to the table bend it like beckham because you know it's quite iconic
2: yeah um
0: i this is what my research pre-pod was focused on
1: okay all right
0: um and i think i'm going to answer this question in two parts um The first will be about football films versus football television shows. Okay. Um, And I think why Ted Lasso is the first television football TV show that has been successful. Um, And so I thought about the top five sports, in my opinion, uh, which are... Uh, Football, American football, basketball, baseball, and cricket. Um, You know, I think that encompasses both the U.S. and uh, England and a huge chunk of the world um, in in terms of popular sports. Uh, And then for each one, I tried to think of TV shows and films separately. And... For all of these sports, the reoccurring theme was there are lots of, well, not lots, a decent number of popular movies, but very, very few popular TV shows. I could not find a single popular TV show about cricket. I could not find a single popular TV show about baseball. Basketball, I could only think of one, and it was an anime called Kuriko no Basketball, which is excellent. Um... American football does have quite a few successful TV shows um which I think is interesting um and I have some hypotheses for why shows like Friday Night Lights, Blue Mountain State, Last Chance University were so big in the US um and then for soccer all I could think of was Ted Lasso and Sunderland Till I Die which uh, you know, meh. Mm. Um, but
1: I well, uh, actually, my dad loves that documentary.
0: So, uh, I think as a work of fiction, excellent. Mm. Uh, really captures the um idea of hope that does not exist in Sunderland. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think American football does well. In these shorter length films, because in TV shows you're limited to 44 or 22 minutes. Um, I think one, because so much of American football is about the spectacle and like the surrounding bits um, and the like the market and the glitz and the glamour and everything, um, which is why American football dominates the U.S. sports scene. Um, and two, the highlights are very, like, highlightable. Like, it's, like, big hits and incredible catches and stuff, um, which is something that makes proper football even more sweet is those absolutely insane moments are so much more rare. Um, like, the incredible free kick goals, you know, your team is likely to get like two a season. Um, Whereas incredible catches happen almost every game in the NFL because the rules heavily support um, like heavy passing offenses. So just by volume, you have a ton of catches and so you also have a ton of highlights. Um, And, you know, like the average soccer game ends one zero or one, one um so i think in terms of those highlight moments um there's a lot fewer of them in football which makes them sweeter for you know people who have been watching for a long time but for people who don't watch football week in week out may you know lose interest um which is you know the biggest criticism i hear of football and why people don't watch it is because they don't want to watch one nil games. They want to watch, you know, like a 4-3. But, you know, those come every once in a blue moon. Um, and movies that try to emulate the excitement of American football in proper football, like Goal, lose their charm because they're so ridiculous and so unrealistic that you start to lose, you know, proper football fans. Um, and also like you can coordinate a football play relatively simple because American football is scripted in that every single down, you have a play that you write up and practice and run over and over again, uh, in the fluidity of football, trying to coordinate a certain scenario that leads to a wonder goal. Uh, is incredibly difficult. So I think there are some key uh, properties of proper football that make it very hard to make it excitable and constant drama, um, which is probably why Ted Lasso is a reasonable success. Is because a lot of it's not about the football. It's about mm. the community and the camaraderie and whatnot. Um, so... Two, two, I've talked for way too long, but I will say, one, fundamentally, football doesn't have as many highlights, um, like proper highlights. Um, and two, uh, or sorry, a single match of football doesn't have as many highlights. Uh, and two, uh, it's incredibly difficult to do a proper,
2: realistic... You know, feasible soccer match in a movie. Um, and I will actually, yeah, continue with that. If thinking about the most
0: popular soccer movies, two that I could think of were Shaolin
2: Soccer and Goal, both of which are incredibly unrealistic. Um, so, wow. That's my um... answer.
1: What a great answer. I, I'm not even going to bother following that up with one of my own because that was very succinctly put um, and you've done your due diligence to answer that question. Um, I agree with, yeah, all your points, frankly. Um, and I think Ted Lasso is an excellent documentary series and, yeah, don't I don't think, you know, unless, yeah, I think you can only make a good football film if you don't focus on the physical act of football. Um, I'm sure you know, I reckon there's fantastic films to be made about football in the mold of of moneyball, for example, um, because there's just I mean, there's tons of fascinating stuff that goes on all the time in football. There's so many scandals to get your teeth into, yeah, um, but yeah, excellent. thanks, Blake. And
0: yeah, also, I know talking about like the future of footballing film, um
2: I think stories about like, leicester city's excellent run will do
0: i don't even know if that would be a successful movie because i feel like people would be like it's not realistic um and in that case why not just make a really good documentary which already exists um so um i don't know i could only think of five popular soccer movies uh and they were Kicking and Screaming, which is literally about children's soccer, Shaolin soccer, goal, She's All That, which is most certainly
2: not about Mm -hmm. the soccer at all, and Bend It Like Beckham. Um, I don't know. None of them really try to be super...
0: Well, most of them aren't about... You know, proper organized football, um, and the one that is is super intentionally super unrealistic.
2: So um, I don't know. There's a lot more good American football movies, um, and I
0: think it probably has a lot to do with the amount of highlights that happen in. So thank you for that question, Darren, and uh, if anyone else would like a. Question answered on the pod uh, please tweet at us at peaked the number two early pod and we will dedicate 25 minutes to rambling mm-hmm. um, as we struggle to answer the question mm-hmm. but this wraps up episode 24 of season 2 of the peaked 2 early podcast Oscar good luck this Thursday Thank um, you. and we will talk after the first leg uh, and to everybody else uh,
2: take care. Bye. I'm standing.